Hey, Rob Bradford here. You guys know I'm always up for a good MVP story, and one of the best stories is Wasabi Technology. Wasabi is the world's hottest cloud storage company, and it's become the go-to provider for professional and collegiate sports teams, including 20 major league baseball teams like the Red Sox and NHL teams like the Bruins and Vancouver Canucks. Even the Liverpool Football Club is getting in on the Wasabi action. So why is Wasabi the MVP? Well, Wasabi was purpose-built to free businesses from skyrocketing storage costs and unpredictable transaction fees that the Amazons of the world are charging. In fact, Wasabi is up to 80% less than those hyperscalers and doesn't charge a cent for businesses to access their data. From Wasabi's AI-enabled intelligent media storage, Wasabi Air, to the industry's only cloud storage service with triple protection against cyber criminals, data deletion, and ransomware, Wasabi's taking the lead in driving innovation in data storage and helping sports teams to unleash the power of their data. Wasabi, another Boston-based champion championship team. Mama told me son, go and play in the yard. Papa said go and play, you gotta break your stomach, go and scream real hard. Go play in the yard. Go play in the yard. You gotta burn your stomach. And welcome to it. A couple of Orioles broadcasters here at Inside the Yard talking about the Baltimore Orioles. Brett Hollander and Jeff Arnold coming up on the program today. Orioles coach Freddie Gonzalez, a really interesting guy, former big league manager, both of the Marlins and the Braves. And then Melanie Newman joins us for our insider segment. And Jeff, before we get to Freddie Gonzalez, Orioles have reached the quarter pole of the season. And to me, I think I've seen a lot more surprising good than bad. I agree with you on that sentiment. I mean, this is a team that's in its third year of a rebuild. And I think that you're a little bit farther behind after the minor league season was canceled last year. But you've played a lot of tight games. There haven't been a whole lot of games where you've just been out of it. I mean, you had that in the game against the Yankees in the middle of the game of that series. But outside of that, you know, you've been in a lot of games. You've played a lot of really tight, competitive games against some really tough competition. You have the toughest strength of schedule in baseball. And I think it's been really encouraging some of the stuff that you've seen. Um, I think Cedric Mullins has been a tremendous story this year. You know, he was so hot at the very beginning of the year. The only place that he could possibly go is down, but he's been one of the top offensive players in the American league. He's played like an all-star Trey Mancini ever since he started to relax a little bit more. And ever since he's made some swing adjustments, we're starting to see him drive to the ball, drive the ball to the opposite field, get on base, bring runs home. Um, And so that's been really cool to see as well. He's been trending upward. Um, and then, you know, on the pitching side of things, I think Paul Fry has been a great story. The way he's thrown out of the bullpen this year, I don't think that gets talked enough about. But, I mean, after the spring training he had where he struggled, he had that hangnail issue, um, the innings that he's provided at the very back end of the bullpen have been really key to this ball club. And then, of course, John Means throwing that no-hitter. He's been one of the best pitchers in all of baseball. So I think there have been a lot of good individual stories. I think the Orioles do realize they have got to score some more runs. It's very tough to be – winning games against teams like the Yankees and the Red Sox and others uh, when you're putting three runs on the board a game. You've got to find a way to be able to produce a little bit better, do a better job with runners in scoring position. Uh, But your bullpen has been terrific. It's kept you right there. And uh, the Orioles are hopeful that uh, they can score a few more runs as we uh, move a little bit farther along in the season and create uh, a few less uh, high leverage situations. Yeah, I think from a team perspective, because I think you hit every individual one right on the nose, from a team perspective, I, I have to give Brandon Hyde and the team a lot of credit that every time you think this is going to start going down fast because of the strength of schedule, 
because of uh, the Orioles, you know, obviously expectations, they find a way to win one. And, and I give them a lot of credit. And they've had some tough losses over the last few weeks where they really uh, had to swallow a tough one, a late inning loss to a first place club or the Yankees, whatever it might be. And just when you think they, they're capable of losing eight of nine, they win one. And to me, that is an impressive trait of this team. And I have to give them a lot of credit for that. So I think there's been some really positive individual stories that are both a part of the present and the future. And it should be, you know, I think looking at the next quarter or two of this season, you really want to see, you know, Mullins keep doing what he's doing. You want to see Dean Kramer take the next step and you want to see Ryan Mountcastle take the next step. I think you'd feel really good about things if you see that. And, And I'll throw in someone like Tanner Scott, who I think we saw some of the good and bad in the first quarter of the season. You want to see more of the Tanner Scott we saw last year in that shortened season. So uh, those are the things I'm kind of looking at right now as we assess the 2021 Orioles. But right now, I do want to uh, set us up for Freddie Gonzalez before we get to a spot we, we need to get to here. And Freddie is a really interesting guy, kind of a character, uh, someone who's been at the highest of highs as a big league manager. And he once had Brandon Hyde as his, his bench coach. He hired Brandon Hyde and Tim Cousins, who's on this Orioles staff, as coaches, and now he's working with them in a different role. Really a cool story. So Freddie Gonzalez is coming up. Get all the best Orioles ticket deals in one place, including single-game tickets, ticket packs, special offers, and more. We got you covered at the Orioles Ticket Marketplace. This is your place to score exclusive deals, so check back often for the latest opportunities. Don't wait to purchase last minute at the box office. Ticket prices are the same at Orioles.com slash tickets to purchase. The Orioles! Everybody love the Orioles! And with us now on Inside the Yard is Orioles coach, former big league manager, Freddie Gonzalez is with us. Freddie, it's great to see you. How are you? I'm doing well. Doing well. Uh, getting ready to walk the dog this morning. Uh, it's just such a beautiful day out here. And, uh, I've gotten a chance to live here in Fells Point. Um, we got a little apartment here because I, I go home every chance I can. So, uh, you know, the dog is itching to get going here in the morning. Yeah, I hear you. We, it is a beautiful day. And you had a skipper in Atlanta and in South Florida. So you, you're used to some hot weather when it rolls in. I, you know what? I love it. can't get hotter for me. The hotter, the better for me. I, I'm not the big. If you see me in uh, those opening days in Boston and New York, I was I had every stitch of clothing on. I'm not a big cold weather person. Uh, I think in baseball, you're used to sweating and being hot and, and you feel more comfortable in those type of environments than you do when it's 42 degrees and, and the wind's blowing. Freddie, can you take us through, besides walking the dog, how a normal day for you works <laughs> leading up to a game? Well, yeah, yeah. Uh, well, last yesterday being an off day with uh, in Tampa, also uh, having an off day, I was able to do a lot of my my advance work yesterday afternoon before we went. Uh, the wife and I and the dog went to Annapolis, but usually in the mornings, I get up in the morning, first day of the series, and and do all the advance work and put it all in one piece of paper. Um, you know, we have iPads and all kinds of notebooks in the in the in the dugout, but I like to be able to put everything in one piece of paper or, or, or a cardstock so I can be able to go find what I need um, and all my, what my right responsibilities are. Uh, and so I do that in the morning. Um, and then, uh, you know, like any other husband, you know, you spend time with the wife, walk the dog and have lunch if you can, and, and then go to the ballpark at uh, 1.30 um, and, and start our work, uh, our work day, uh, batting practice, early work, 
Uh, today, for example, we're meeting uh, with Sig and, and Hyder and myself for about an hour to go over some of the stuff that uh, analytically stuff that we could do better or, 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 or have done better or a new, or a new, or a new scenario, right? There's always a new scenario that comes up that Sig wants to talk about it and, and run it through the computer and, and, and see what the numbers spit out. When you are watching the game, are you constantly suggesting things to Brandon? Do you wait for him to ask you about a situation and then how far down the road are you thinking? Are you thinking two innings down the road, three innings, maybe this bullpen situation? Or I mean, take us through those moments. Well, it's a great. We before every before every game, we'll sit down with the pitching coaches, myself and Hyder, and we kind of try to map out what the game is going to look like. Who's available in the bullpen? And you know, it's funny you said, you know, you always go to the bullpen or the pitching because that's the most important part of the thing. You know, I don't. I never talk to them about hitting, running, or stealing. I'm always worried about the pitching and who's coming up and how and how many innings and and who's available. You know, that day because any given day somebody might be down. Uh, they need an extra day because they've pitched three out of four days. Uh, so that's the beginning of the the strategy meeting in the in the one hour before the game in his office. We talk about who's available, uh, and then we go from there. Um, and then you know we talked about and, and it's kind of still fluid. Uh, we're still kind of feeling our way through our bullpen a little bit, but, you know, hey, if we're up, these are the guys we're going to go to, right? And I think if you follow the game, you know exactly who those guys are. You know, if we're up, uh, you know, it's Valdez, it's Fry, it's Scott, it's Plutko. And then we got to try to plug it, plug those guys in situations. Um, and and sometimes when we get a lot of left-handers early in the game, we could put Solsa in there. You know, being a right-hander, he gets a lot of left-handers out. But, yeah, so we're thinking ahead, um, and we're constantly talking. I have um, – sometimes I'll, I'll run something by him, but I, I usually wait for him to, to ask me a question. And for the most part, you know, Hyder is – he's awesome. And, and it's just reassurance, you know. It's like, hey, I'm thinking about doing this, and I'm like, yeah, I like that. You know, or, you know, for example, I'm like, okay, you know, uh, Stewart's hitting the eighth inning. We're up by two. Uh, we got McKenna on the bench. He's a better defender. You know, you want to pinch run if he gets on and put McKenna in. And, uh, and, and those sort of scenarios that I run by him. And it's obviously his, it's his decision. Uh, and I don't get my, uh, my feelings hurt if he says no. You know, that's what, that's what I'm here for. And, uh, but for the most part, we're really, I, I bet you 98%, 99% of the time we're, we're locked in. And, and sometimes he'll, he'll go a little different way than I would have, but and 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 then the other way also so um it's a it's a good uh, relationship that we have but you you nail the, the 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 nail on the head is the pitching is the most important uh part of our game day in and day out how tough is it this year considering how much longer the season is do you find to manage the bullpen at this time of the year because they're games that you want to win but you also realize that you got a lot of ways to go and you got a lot of games that you have to play. Um, how do you find that it's, it's, is it been a, more difficult this year to help Brandon and Darren and Chris and everybody figure out how to navigate everything pitching wise uh, in the bullpen, realizing just where we are in the season, we're at the quarter pole, but there's still a long ways to go. Oh, yeah. We still got a lot of ways to go. And, and yeah, we talk about that. And I think those, those are the, the meetings we have with our pitching coaches. And again, it, everything trickles out because at six o'clock, uh, Chris, uh, Chris Holt and, and Darren Holmes, I already spoken to every single pitcher we have right from three o'clock on, they're out there taking batting practice or doing, 
you know, doing their, their daily stuff they're throwing. So they know exactly who's available and who's not available. So it starts from there. It starts from our pitchers to be honest and say, Hey, I, I need an extra day. Right. And if they do that, it's like, we never push them. This is not game seven of the world series. It's like you said, it's made the made the 16th. Uh, and so, okay, you need an extra day. That's fine. We're, we're good. You don't need, you don't need to throw. So it starts, it's the communication starts from them, you know, to, to our pitching coaches and then, and then we trickle down and then we being the adults, right. Of the, of the, the team, we're going like, Hey, we look at the, you know, he's been up, he hasn't pitched in two days, but he's been up three times the last three days. Let's, you know, let's give him a day and, and go from there and try to, and, and, and try to, um, plan out the week, plan out the rest days. Uh, we monitor uh, everything in, in the bullpen. How many pitches they throw warming up, how many times they get up without going into the game and, 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 try, to, and try to manage that. Obviously, you know, right now with our starting pitching, it's, you know, other than me and Z, uh, we have trouble getting through the fifth, you know, or, or not, not through the fifth. We get to the fifth, but the sixth and seventh inning is sometimes challenging for us as starting pitcher. So we got to go to the bullpen. Lucky for us, we have an extra arm in the bullpen we we've you know wellsy is a guy that we've gotten through the rule five but we've starting to trust him a little more right the, the more you you run him out there even though he hasn't pitched in a in a year and he hasn't pitched above double a I, I believe you know you're starting to run him out there and 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 give him a couple of innings but um um yeah it's it's a long season and and we monitor the everything uh because it's important uh, there's a lot of teams that could survive injuries in the bullpen or, or in the pitching staff. We don't have that depth yet that we could survive that. So we, the guys that are here are very valuable to us, uh, and we want to keep them healthy as much as we can. Freddie, obviously you're a very accomplished big league manager, and uh, now you have a lot of influence. You're maybe Brandon's right-hand man uh, through the managerial process. But is there something, I don't want to say nice about it, but maybe a relief – where you're coming off of a tough loss. I think about last week, the Yankees, uh, the, the one-run loss uh, where the Orioles had to lead in the seventh, the tough ninth-inning loss to the Mets, and you don't have to talk to the media afterwards, and you don't have to wear it like the skipper, that you're very much in the mix, but you don't have to be that point person every day and night. I'm a better, I'm a better husband. I better go <laughs> <laughs> home. You're absolutely right. I'll go in there and talk to, uh, talk to Hyder after a tough loss, you know, the one in New York and the Mets, you know, and, and we're in a situation where we have to try to win every single game that we're in. We have to. And, and when we don't, it's going to, we don't know when the, we, we're going to win again, you know, cause you look at the schedule, we lost that, lost that tough one with the Mets. And then you look at the schedule and you got the Yankees coming in, you got Tampa coming in, then you go on the road with Minnesota, you go to the, you know, you got the White Sox. So those games are important to us to win. Um, but yeah, you're absolutely right. At the end of the night, I closed my notebook I go into the, to Hyder's office. You, you need, you, you know, sometimes he wants to sit out and talk, which is great. And then I go home, I have a glass of wine with the wife and I sleep a lot better. <laughs> I really do. But you know what you miss, you know, there's a trade off for everything, right? You, you miss the, even though I'm there with the actions with Hyder and, 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 and I'm gutting every single pitch in the ninth inning when you're up by two or up by one and here comes Stanton and judge and those guys. And, and, but it's not the same. You're right. And, and I, again, but it's, it's, that's the fun part that managers enjoy is that first, first inning, first pitch to the last pitch, you know, meeting with the media before the game, meeting with the, the media after the game, um, talking to the general manager every single day. It's, it's, uh, you know, it's, it's, 
it's tough. It's time consuming. But that first pitch and the last pitch, there is nothing better than, than that for, for a baseball person. You knew and hired Brandon Hyde when he was kind of young, coming up to the coaching ranks. What were your early observations of young Brandon Hyde? Oh, I, I thought this guy was a superstar. You know, I, I really did. Uh, him and Cousins. I had him both as a – I was a young manager myself in, in Miami, and, and they could have probably done the job themselves uh, with the team that we had uh, in, in Miami. It was kind of similar to this. And, and you know, we build and we end up winning and, you know, the, and, and those sort of things. But they were there in spring training, and you, you gave him a, a responsibility. Uh, I think Cousins is the best catching instructor I've ever been around. And, and you give Hyder a responsibility. Hey, I want you to run field three and, and do this fundamental. And you would watch from afar and it would be on point, detailed, organized, and there's, there was no messing around, you know? And, and so right away, uh, you knew this guy was going to be, he was going to be a superstar. I think our, our core, our, our careers kind of paralleled each other. If you look at a, the, the games in the minor leagues and the, the time we spent in the minor leagues coaching and managing other than he had uh, he spent some time being the farm director in Chicago. So he has that, which is really, really for me, makes him better. Right. Because he's gotten that two, two, three years of building an organization and being the farm director, the coordinator uh, field coordinator down there. So he has that, uh, that edge. But if you look at the career path, it's it's pretty parallel, and and uh, and and I think that that both of those guys are are you know are are awesome coaches, and people also. Freddie, I was going to ask you this. This will be my last one. Um, you actually later in life went back and finished your college degree. Um, <laughs> you'd accomplished so much in your career, uh, but you decided to go back and finish your college degree. Take us through the story of how you ended up doing that and the process for for accomplishing it and, um, and just what made you go back? I, I, I didn't, I, I hadn't finished. I went back and took some classes. And so it, the whole started, I, I, I had like, I still think I have like 48 credits to go. Right. Something. Oh, okay. And yeah, yeah. I didn't finish it. So I'm sitting there in the Thanksgiving, Thanksgiving table uh, with my, uh, we got a blended family with my wife and, and, and her three girls and my, my son and my daughter and I'm sitting at the head of the table and I'm looking around and I'm like, my wife, Drexel University, my daughter, Boston University, uh, uh, Temple, uh, Ole Miss, Georgia Southern, you know, and, and I'm arguably maybe the, the, the dumbest guy on the table. <laughs> and I'm like, I got all these girls and boys that are college educated. Here I am. I'm going to try. Right. So I went back and took a couple of classes online and it were hard, Jeff. It was hard because. It was, you know, one semester in like five weeks, right? And it was, they give you an assignment and, and it was really accelerated. And it was, they give you an assignment on Monday and you had to finish it by Sunday and to take a test. And I was doing it through spring training. And so I didn't want to come back after a long day of spring training and tell the wife, hey, listen, I'm going to spend three hours, <laughs> at, you know, in the afternoon to go get these, these, these projects in. So I was getting up at three in the morning and, and, you know, and getting it all done and, and then, you know, going to the spring training, do it, come back and spend time with the wife. And so much that the teacher goes to me, she goes, you're turning these projects in. It's like four o'clock in the morning. Are you really doing this? And I'm like, yeah, I'm getting up. So it was fun. It was really good. I think if, if I would have done it and gone to actual class, it would have been more fun. 
It, it really, but you know what? It got the juices flowing. It, it, it said, you know what? I could learn, right? I'm still, I'm 57 years old. I, I've managed two teams and we have all this analytic stuff going on, but I could learn, you know, I could learn. Just tell me what this means and I can learn. And I think that's what improved to me. Um, and I think eventually, you know, see how this, see how my career goes, but that's something that's in the back burner that I want to be able to accomplish. Um, I have, you know, and, and we'll, we'll see where we're at, but, uh, that those couple of classes was, it, it was fun. At least I proved myself that I could learn. Um, even though that the first, that first week, the lady sounded like Charlie Brown. And you remember the Charlie Brown teacher, like, rah, 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 rah. And I'm like, what is she talking about? You know? But after a while, you get the, you know, you get the, you know, I hadn't been in college in almost 25 years, 30 years. And, and it was, uh, but it was, it was, it was fun. But it was just a lot of time consuming and try to manage a game or, or coach a game and go to spring training and take classes. But I, um, you know, it, it, it was fun. Really cool. Before we let you go, Freddie, it's time for our fun five baseball questions. Are you ready? Yeah. Well, I'm, I'm, I'll try. All right. Favorite baseball movie. Oh, uh, uh, God, the one with the kids. Um, Sandlot? Sandlot with the dog. Yes, the Sandlot. Yes, Sandlot. Classic. Classic. What was your high school senior year batting average? I don't know. I think it was in the 300s, but I don't know. Um, but I know I was a better high school player than I was a professional player. <laughs> <laughs> well, most influential baseball person in your life? Well, I think other than my father, I think John Bowles, who um, – was our my boss when I first started managing and coaching in the Marlins organization there a long time ago, and then Bobby Cox, you know, as a as a uh, as a as a grown man, right, a grown man, and watching him deal for, you know, watching him deal to the Atlanta Braves and be so successful in the way that he carried himself, you know, uh, and and so those those uh, those three men, my dad, you know, John Bowles, and and Bobby Cox, favorite minor league city to play or visit. Uh, Greensboro, North Carolina, before the new stadium. We played in, back in 1983 and 84. We played in the old War Memorial, and it was just that, you know, it was almost like Bull Durham, right? Those, those old cities, you know, those old ballparks that had a lot of character, and, and uh, now they moved. Well, not, not, not now. I guess in the last 15 years they moved to a different stadium. But from what I understand, it's still one of the best baseball – or one of the best minor league baseball cities. And name one talent or hobby you have outside of baseball. Well, most people, you know, they play golf and they would tell you all that stuff. Um, I play the trumpet, you know. Mm, yeah, I wow. played the trumpet in middle wow. school. The middle school, and, and, and I, I, I took it out of the box about last year in the winter. And I have it in my basement. It's out. And every once in a while, I'll play a couple of notes that I can remember, you know, and, and the dog runs. And, and, but it's, I can play the trumpet. And I can well, read music, which is, you know, that's something uh, that's it, it's it's a cool thing. Well, you and Chris Hole could start a musical performance together. What he plays the guitar and well, sings. He plays the guitar, and Cousins is might be the most talented guy in in the coaching staff because he you should see him or ask him about playing the drums. What? You guys could go on the road. Yeah, we could go on the road. If it doesn't work out, we could maybe go down to the Boog Powell's barbecue and got something going on but uh yeah i think cousins it's unbelievable uh drum player and uh and i've heard some of his uh you know his riffs i guess that's what you call them and, and and he's awesome that is really cool well freddie i feel we could talk for a long time but we'll let you go 
a long day in the office ahead, but we really appreciate it. Thank you. Thank you, guys. Hope to talk soon. Newman, our fellow broadcasters with us right now for our insider segment. And Melanie, let's jump into it. We have reached the quarter pole of the season. What's your overall assessment at this point of the 2021 version of the Orioles? Um, honestly, when you look at what they've been able to do, given the tools that they have right now in their pocket, I think it's really impressive. And, and I think the thing that stands out the most is we're seeing so many other teams that are constantly dealing with injuries right now. The Orioles have been so vigilant and so precise in how they go about their business to really avoid those to the best of their ability. I mean, I know it's frustrating when you try to patch together your rotation and you have those bullpen days, but um, that's the other plus side too, is this is giving a chance for the guys who are starting to come up and trying to develop into a piece of the future for the Orioles, they, they get to work a little bit because it's giving some relief to the guys who are having to be here every single day. Um, so I, I think as they continue at this pace, that's the most you can hope for. You like to see those competitive games like the last game against the Yankees that they had in their series. Um, but again, as long as you're getting through the finish line and you've got most of that original 26, that's a huge win. How encouraged are you by Trey Mancini's production in the month of May? We all saw how tough he was getting pitched in April. And then in May, it seems like he started to get his swing back. His mental approach has been better. Um, how encouraged are you by what you've seen out of him after that first month was a little tougher? Yeah, I don't even know really if it came down to how they were pitching to him so much as it was just how hard he was on himself. I mean, and we've seen it because if a guy gets in his head, whether it's a pitcher or position player, you can take yourself out of the game before you're ever seeing any action from a baseball. And Trey was doing that. He was walking up to the plate, visibly frustrated before he'd ever seen a first pitch in the very first inning of the ball game. And when you're that hard on yourself, and again, I, I just can't even imagine what it's like to be in his shoes because he's been so graceful in handling all of this attention that he's gotten on a global level this year. And that's not something he certainly never expected to have, at least for the reasons he's having it. Um, so he's just, he's really stood out in that regard for how he's been able to deal with everything, but for the coaching staff to finally get him to loosen up and to remind him of, Hey, we, we know what boom, boom can do. So just chill out a little bit. And that's going to come to you if you stop thinking about making it come to you. Um, and he's been loose. His swings have looked a lot better. He's been more patient. He's not pushing himself to swing at everything that comes his way and having to be the hero every time. And when you quit trying to have to be that, it just comes naturally. Two things I'm pretty optimistic about moving forward and just looking at the small number of games we've paid, played so far this year, and that's Ryan Mountcastle, who had his struggles in the first quarter of the season but seems to be trending up, and Dean Kramer, who certainly had his struggles in the first quarter of the season but seems to be trending up. Your sense of those two guys who are more than likely big parts of the Orioles' future? Yeah, I think they're kind of on two different tangents right now. For Dean, I think it was just his push to have to be perfect every single time. And we've even heard Pedro Severino talk about it. And a pitcher that tries to be too perfect is just isn't going to land stuff the way that he needs to be. And those it's going to leave stuff hanging out and over. And we've seen that. And the opponents have certainly tattooed a few. But that kind of taught Dean a few lessons. And he seems to have really come into himself 
his last couple of starts. And you just hope that he continues to improve on that because look, they're going to keep having the book on him every single time. So it's going to be a start by start adjustment for Dean and for Ryan. Um, I think it's kind of a flip. He had really just excelled on raw talent through the minor leagues. And that's great. But now that the book's out on him, he has to learn how to study this game and how to take it from other people who might have a study guide for him and really become a, a deeper student. You know, you can't really just push it past anymore because that's how you swing and that's who you are. You have to dedicate yourself to making those tiny adjustments on a pitch by pitch basis. If you're someone like Malcastle. Um, so you hope that he figures that out. And certainly he's got the, the right staff and the right teammates around him who can guide him to do that. And I mean, I think the perfect example of someone who dedicated to studying it is our own Jim Palmer. I mean, he can still take you through pitch sequences that he had with guys because that's how given he was to making sure he knew the craft in and out. So if Ryan can get to even a fraction and that's a big step of what cakes did, um, he's going to be a terror for some guys. Last one for me. Are you concerned at all about the amount that the bullpen has been utilized? I mean, you have John Means and Matt Harvey who've pitched deeper in a game since been encouraged, I think, to see how Dean Kramer's pitched the last couple of times out. But bullpen has pitched a lot. You see the appearance numbers for a lot of your key relievers, and they're way up there. So how much does that concern you? Yeah, it's not great when you're the second week of May. And again, as Brett said, you're only a quarter of the way through the season. And we've already got some guys who have racked, you know, 20 plus appearances. And that's not ideal. Um, and granted, they get some rest in between that. But that's still excessive use compared to the fact that last year at this point, we, we were in the home stretch of the season. Um, it's just a different planet this year to be a pitcher on. And, and you'd like to ultimately see, I think, if you're constructing it, the same way that some of the starters have been even sent down for a little bit to get some rest or taken off of a rotation day. Uh, look, Max Roller has, has been working in Sarasota and he sounds like he's pretty close to being ready to go and to rejoin. So then you start evaluating, okay, which, which arm in my bullpen needs a break. And, and it might cost us a few runs to bring in somebody who's not as stable as some of these other guys, but I'd rather, in my opinion, go without somebody who's a shutdown performer like Adam Pletko or Cesar Valdez for even two weeks um, than having to go without him for four to six weeks due to injury at that point. So I, I think we've had that balance of re resting our rotation and that's worked out well so far, but you have to start giving that to the back end as well. Melanie Newman, we appreciate so much. Thank you. Thanks guys. We'll see you at the park. Hey, O's fans, enjoy Orioles baseball like never before with the Budweiser center field roof deck. Overlooking the playing field on top of the batter's eye wall in center field, the deck offers a bird's eye view of Camden Yards. Tickets include complimentary Boog's Barbecue, a parking pass, and access to the Budweiser roof deck bar. Purchase your seats online at Orioles.com slash tickets. Celebrate your growing family or the newest O's fan in your life with a Baby Birds membership presented by MedStar Health. Members receive an Orioles bib and onesie as well as access to special offers. If your little O's fan was born at Harbor Hospital or Franklin Square Medical Center, you can access your complimentary membership using the code RECEIVED with your Orioles beanie. Visit Orioles.com slash babybirds for more information. All right, Jeff, we have uh, Orioles and Nationals, a little... Mass and rivalry, a little mid-Atlantic action coming up this weekend. 
We will uh, be broadcasting that series on the radio together. It feels like forever I've been with you in the radio booth. So uh, that's coming up this weekend, and it should be a good weekend set. And the Orioles finally get a breather here out of the American League East. Yeah, they do. And they're facing a Nationals club that you know, is kind of making a run at it. And they've, you know, as we're taping this, they're 16 and 20 on the season. So they've had some ups and downs. And But it'll be interesting to see what happens. I mean, last year, um, when you consider what got the Orioles started on their best run of the year, it came in Washington against the Nationals, where the Orioles were able to take a couple of games and then you had to finish one of them at Camden Yards. But uh, but where that best run of the 2020 season took place, it began in Washington. And who knows, maybe you'll see the same thing again over this weekend. Yeah, we'll see. And it should be a lot of fun. And uh, the Orioles and Nationals will play this weekend set in the district before they do return to Camden Yards for another series. But, uh, Jeff, we will talk on Friday evening from the broadcast booth. For Jeff Arnold, I'm Brett Hollander. Enjoy the baseball, everyone. Thanks for joining us inside the yard. Okay, picture this. It's Friday afternoon when a thought hits you. I can waste another weekend doing the same old whatever, or I can conquer it. I can hop into my all-new Hyundai Santa Fe and hit the road. Any road. The steeper, the better. Because my all-new Santa Fe is available with H-Track all-wheel drive, so I can hit the trail without a worry in the world. Heck, with three rows and best-in-class rear cargo space, I can pack the whole family in with all our gear. We've got available dual wireless charging for our phones, so we'll never lose touch with civilization, and we won't lose touch with the primordial power of Mother Earth. So which is it? Waste the weekend or do something a little more epic? And conquer it in the all-new Hyundai Santa Fe. Visit HyundaiUSA.com or call 562-314-4603 for more details. Hyundai. There's joy in every journey.